We are looking at this series in um, the book of John and looking at Jesus' seven I am statements that he makes about himself. And what I, I love about this series and studying this is that we're really understanding who Jesus is, what he said about himself, and then how does it relate to our lives? These statements that Jesus makes not only authenticates who he is and that he is God, but how he desires to have a relationship with you and I. And I love this I am statement. So we're going to jump right into it. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can use the Bibles in the seats in front of you and turn to John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. We're going to be looking at the statement that Jesus says that I'm the door, that I am the gate. What did Jesus mean by that? We're going we're gonna to look at the context of, of, of when Jesus said that, uh, because this is really important. I think it gives us a lot more um, understanding of this passage. So John tap, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And let's see what Jesus says. Jesus speaks here, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, but by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief or, and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger's. This figure of speech, Jesus used with them, but they, they didn't still understand what he was saying to them. So here Jesus says again in verse 7, he says to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, I love that. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? He will be saved and he will go in and out and find what? Find pastures, find peace, find rest. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, I just pray this morning that we would find life in you, Jesus. In this life, we will never find it abundantly. We may find things that satisfy us, but they're always temporary. And I pray today that our searching would lead to you, Jesus. And that, Jesus, you open your arms up to all who come to you. And I pray that we would find ourselves in your sheepfold, in your pen, God, where there's safety, security, rest, salvation. So bring peace to your people today. For those that are restless today, for those that are hopeless today, I thank you, Jesus, that you give us hope and you give us rest and you give us peace, even in the midst of this world and the turmoil that this world brings. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior today. May you speak that today to us and that may we understand in a deeper way what it means uh, that you are the door and what you said about that. And we just thank you for these things. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. Last December, um, we took our family to, um, first time I've ever been there, to, to the George Eastman house. And it's, for those of you who have been there, it's that beautiful historic house built by George Eastman, the founder of the Eastman Kodak Company. It's, it, you know, they decorate it during the Christmas time. So we went there and really enjoyed it. Um, but, but in this house, there, there's a lot of doors. And um, I don't know if you're like me, but when I see a door that says, do not enter, how many are like me? You're just like, you want to go in there. 
You want to see what's behind the door. So when they put the sign up, do not enter. I don't know if you're like me, if you're, you're, you're a little snoopy, right? If, uh, um, you know, if, if you're a little nosy, you want to know what's behind those doors. And I'm just, you know, my curiosity, right? It's just, and so they have a lot of these doors that say, do not enter. And um, I know a lot of you are like me, you're snoopers. You, you might be at someone's house and you're really curious what's behind that door, what's in their medicine cabinet. I know what you guys do. I know, I know, I know. I know, right? Um, so here we are. We're at the George Eastman house, and um, they have all these doors that you can't go into and places you can't go up to. And I, those are the places you want to go to, right? And so we're walking through the house, and yeah, I got my whole family here, and I get a call from Wesley. I'm like, what in the world? Where is Wesley? Why is he calling me? So I get a call from Wesley, and Wesley, <laughs> Wesley calls me, and I said, Wesley, where in the world are you? And he goes, um, he said, Dad, um, I went in a door that I shouldn't have gone into. And um, I can't get out because the door locked behind me. And it's really dark in here. And I'm scared. And I think I just saw the ghost of George Eastman. So please come get me now. Right? So I'm like, where are you? So I'm walking down this hallway. So I walked in this hallway. And here's a door. And there's, there's a glass thing in it. And you see, you see Wesley's head looking out of the door, right? And so I'm the only way to open the door to get him out, right? So I'm like, so I, I wanted to stay in there a little longer. And I just said, say hi to George for me while you're in there. Um, so I let, I let Wesley out of the door. I said, see, it teaches you, doesn't it, right? And so, you know, it, 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 when we think of, of, of Jesus being the door, Jesus says, listen, anyone who comes through me, I'm going to receive. And those that come through me, through this door, not only am I going to receive you, but you're going to find really good things. You're going to find peace and hope and security. So what did, what did Jesus mean by him being the door? See, Jesus makes this claim that anyone can enter through him. Jesus says that, that, that he has exclusive access to the Father. Here's the important thing about Jesus saying that he is the door. He's not saying I'm a door of one of many other doors that you can follow. Jesus says, I am the only door that you will actually find life. I am the only door that you will actually find access to God the Father. And so this is a very exclusive statement, but let me give you a little background here in Jesus' statement because chapter 9 and 10, these um, these chapters happen on the very same day. So when, when Jesus makes this claim of being the gate or the door, he makes this in the context of something miraculous that had just happened. And what Jesus just did, if we see, if we go back to chapter 9, is he healed a man that was born blind. And there was this whole commotion that happened because of this. And the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders, didn't like what Jesus did. Um, What concerned the religious leaders was not the fact that the man was healed, but it was on the day that the man was healed. It wasn't that they were excited, like, man, we all know this guy. This guy has been, been, been blind since birth. He's a beggar. This is the only way he can make a living for himself. And he's blind. And so Jesus heals him. And they're not excited about that. What they were concerned about, what made them angry, was the day that Jesus healed him on. And the day that Jesus healed him on was on the Sabbath. And they called Jesus a Sabbath breaker. See, on the Sabbath, according to the law, you were not to do any work. 
And the way Jesus healed the man was actually considered work. And so, well, how did Jesus heal the man? Well, basically, Jesus made a mud pie and put mud in the man's eyes. And what they said was by Jesus doing this, he was actually, it was close to kneading dough and you weren't allowed to knead dough, like make a pizza pie and throw it up in the air. And knead. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't do that on the Sabbath. These man-made rules said, listen, you can't do this because that's work. So the religious leaders get to this man and they interrogate him and try to prove to them that Jesus was a sinner. They, they said, why don't you prove that Jesus is a sinner? Because he's, he's breaking our rules. And then the man says to him, which I think is pretty incredible, he says, listen, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, I, I don't know what to tell you. I was blind and now I see. Praise God. That's all I can tell you. I was blind. This man healed me. And, 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 and I believe that, that he is God. I believe he is the son of God. And so what the religious leaders do at this point is, is they throw the man out of the synagogue. They, they throw him out of the doors. And I want you to catch this because this is important because this goes right in the context of Jesus talking about being the door. They throw him out of the door of the synagogue. We don't like you. We're going we're gonna to blacklist you. We're going to excommunicate you from fellowship of, of the synagogue. We're throwing you out now because you didn't listen to us and you're a rule breaker. And if you follow him, you're a rule breaker too. And you broke our rules and, and you're out. And so Jesus finds this man. And the man puts his trust in Jesus and believes in him and worships him. Now, I want you to catch this. They throw him out because they were bad shepherds. And Jesus talks about these Bad shepherds that only come to kill, steal, and destroy. And, they, and, they, and he throws them out, and they're bad shepherds. And Jesus finds him, and he invites him in. And Jesus shows them that he is the good and true shepherd. See, not only is this man healed of blindness, but he's also able to see Jesus for who he really is. His spiritual eyes were open, unlike the religious leaders who were only concerned that their rules were broken. You see, they were more in love with rules than having a relationship with God. See, their rules actually blinded them from seeing God themselves that came incarnate form in the flesh to come and heal this blind man. They were more concerned with their rules and trying to look righteous on the outside. Well, meanwhile, their hearts were far away from God. And so what Jesus does is he receives this man and he, he uses this as an illustration to show, listen, I am the good shepherd. Whoever comes to me, they're going to find their life again. They're going to receive spiritual eyes to see what's going on around them. And so on the heels of this incredible miracle, Jesus makes this statement that I am the door to the sheep. Not only that, but I'm a good shepherd. And so Jesus is distinguishing himself from the religious leaders who didn't care, only cared about themselves and who are out for themselves. They are the false shepherds. And so Jesus comes to give us life, not to suck the like life out of us. And I think sometimes we think about this as if I serve God, you know, pastor, I'm listening to what you're saying every week. I'm not sure why I am with this whole Christian thing. I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. And I think if I give my life to God or if I truly follow Jesus, then he's going to take all this stuff away from me and he's going to be the killjoy for my life. See, that's furthest from the truth. 
Jesus says, actually, if you come to me, you're going to actually find joy. You're going to find the happiness that you're really looking for, that you're not going to find in temporary things in this world. So Jesus comes not to burden us, to lay more rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and don't do this and don't do this and do this and don't do that. Jesus says, listen, I've come to die to those things to fulfill the rules that God requires. And not only that, I don't come to suck the life out of you. I want to breathe new life into you. And so the central figures of chapter 9 are the leaders of Israel. They are the false shepherd. They devour others for their own good. In chapter 10, you have the Pharisees, the disciples, the blind beggar, and other Jews, and all of them hear these words of Jesus. And Jesus says this, I'm not like that. I'm a good shepherd who comes to give life, and actually not only give life, but to lay my life down for my sheep, not to take their life from them, but to give my life for them that they might find life. That's what makes Jesus such a good shepherd. And so why is Jesus the only door to God? Because this is a very exclusive statement. Why is he the only door to God? I'm going to give you a couple reasons here today. We're going to take communion today. And we're going to wrap this whole thing up. And hopefully this will all make sense to you and cause you to grow closer to your relationship with Christ. But let's look at a couple of things here. Why Jesus is the only door to God. One of the main reasons why Jesus is the only, only door to God is because Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Now, we don't really understand this living in our mindset today. But for a Jew living in the first century, in order for them to understand and wait for the Messiah, the Messiah had to be one who would fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And Jesus in his life fulfilled the Old Testament prophets on what they said about the coming Messiah that would come. And one of the things that the prophets talked about hundreds of years before Jesus came is that there would be this good shepherd that would come to lead God's children to himself. Jesus is the very fulfillment of prophecy of a good shepherd that would come. The door that would come to lead people to a close relationship, a healing relationship with God. So let me give you a couple Old Testament passages that Jesus fulfills as being the door of the gate. I love Psalms 118.20 for it says this. It says, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Now, what does this mean? Well, the righteous refer to God's very own people Jesus is the gate or the door by which we are made righteous. There is no other way to come to God except through Jesus, the door. So we see this fulfillment of Jesus being the door through, through the Psalms. But there's also a really interesting passage that's found in the book of Ezekiel. And what we see here is that we see Jesus at this very moment as we look in John chapter 10, Jesus, when he speaks, is literally fulfilling what was spoken to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel was a prophet who spoke close to 600 years before Christ. And I want to look at Ezekiel chapter 34 because this talks, God has given Ezekiel these words to prophesy to Israel about the bad shepherds and a good shepherd that God himself is who would lead his children to himself. And so when we look at John chapter 10, the bad shepherds 
are the, 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 the leaders of Israel and they're fulfilling this prophecy in Ezekiel 34 and the good shepherd would be fulfilled in Jesus himself who would lead people to God himself. So I want to look at, I want to look at a couple pasts here in Ezekiel 34. I first want to look at verses one through six and let's see what the word of the Lord spoke to Ezekiel about the shepherds who did not do God's will. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, speaking to Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. This is a direct fulfilled prophecy in the religious leaders that Jesus was speaking to in John chapter 10. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, close yourselves with the wool and the slaughter of choice animals, but you do not take care of the flocks. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick. What? This is exactly what Jesus came to do, isn't it? This is so good. Somebody say amen. Okay. Or bound up the injured, just what Jesus did. You have not brought back the stray in search for the lost. What did Jesus say he came to do? I came to seek and save that which was what? This is directly speaking about Jesus. Okay, I'm excited. I hope you are too. So this is good. You have, you have ruled them harshly and brutally so that they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wander all over the mountains on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Now, now let's look at verse 11 through 16. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. Isn't that interesting? Speaking of a good shepherd. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of the clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is speaking of future prophecy right here too. This is great. Speaking of the millennial reign of, of Christ when he will come and, and gather us underneath his authority. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture in the mountains heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and they will, will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself, I myself will tend sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek, the sleek and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So what we're seeing in these very verses is Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy concerning the perfect shepherd that would come and take care of his sheep. Isn't it interesting that Jesus does everything for our benefit, that we were lost, that we were helpless, and God in his sovereignty and his grace and mercy does everything to bring us back into his fold. What a beautiful savior we have in Jesus. And so in the book of Ezekiel, we see God denouncing the false shepherds 
And then says, I will lead my people to the one good shepherd who is Jesus. And so we see God denouncing the false shepherds and then leading his people to the one good shepherd who is Jesus. And so Jesus is a perfect shepherd and all who come through him will find rest and security. So he denounces and then he says, listen, Jesus is this perfect shepherd and all that come to me will find rest and security. How many say, I need a little rest and security. I need a little rest and security in my life. And here's what Jesus provides for us. So Jesus is the very fulfillment of this prophecy. And so what, what, what Ezekiel does too is not only this is a prophecy concerning Jesus and being fulfilled in Jesus, but this is a future prophecy that will ultimately be fulfilled in the millennial reign of Christ when he reigns and rules. Underneath him, we will find good pastures. We will find peace. So Jesus comes to restore all those things that were broken. And so this is exactly where we are, chapter 10 of John. The leaders of Israel were taking advantage of the flock. They were putting the sheep into bondage through their man-made rules. And they were saying, listen, if you come through our door, we're going to burden you with all this stuff. We're going to burden you with religion. We're going to burden you with rules. And we're going to make it hard for you. And that's why Jesus says, listen, you know, listen, come to me, all you are heavy laden and burdened. And what did Jesus say he would give us? He would give us rest. He goes, I'll take your burdens. Let me take those for you because my burdens are light. They're easy. I've not come here to burden you more. I've, I've actually come to take those things away from you. And so the leaders of Israel were taking advantage of the flock. They were putting the sheep in a bondage and they were making it so hard for them to serve God. And Jesus came to break all those things. And so these leaders are, are like the very ones God judges in Ezekiel 34. And so Jesus speaking is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. And he says, I'm not those who come to take or hurt or steal from you. I'm actually a good shepherd who wants to protect you and give you peace. And so Jesus is the only door because he not only fulfills this Old Testament scripture, but the second thing I want you to see here is Jesus is the only door by which we can actually find salvation. There's no other way that we can find salvation in anything else. And listen, whether or not you're religious or not today or whether or not you believe in God or have some kind of faith in Christ, we are all looking for functional saviors to help us. We all look for them. We look for our jobs to be a functional savior, say, oh, my job's going to be the thing. That's where I gain my identity or my kids or whatever. We all look for things in this world to be a functional savior. And Jesus says, none of those things can save you. None of those things can help you ultimately find rest in your life. Jesus is the door because he's the only way we can find salvation. And unless you go through that door, you will never find rest for your souls. You will never find salvation for your soul. And so the picture here that I want you to see is Jesus um, gives us a picture of this door. Where does this door lead to? What's Jesus talking about? Where does this door lead to? Well, he, he brings a a picturesque kind of picture that everyone that would be listening to Jesus would understand this. They, they would get this picture. And it's a picture of a good shepherd leading his flock to a sheepfold or a sheep pen at the end of the day. Now, we think, you know, we kind of, we're, we're, 
we're Westerners, so we're, we're, we're kind of thinking, okay, well, what does this mean? Well, we look at a, at, 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 we, when we look at grazing land, we just think of fences where you can just let your animals go and there's fences and hopefully that will protect them from any wild animals. But it wasn't like that in, in, in the East. And what happens here in Israel is that these pens would be actually made out of, of rocks. And the only way that the sheep could find protection is by being brought into this sheepfold. And the only way the sheep would ever lie down and find rest if they felt security and if they felt like they were safe. If they don't feel like they're safe and they don't feel like there's security, they will not lie down. And so the job of a good shepherd was to lead his sheep through this door and then allow them to find rest. Now, I got a, I've got a, I got a picture here for you, so I want to give you a picture. This, this would be kind of a, a picture of a, of a good shepherd. Now, there was only one door that would go into this gate. There wasn't a lot of doors. He says, the ones that don't come through this door, the ones that jump over come from some other way. And what does Jesus call them? He calls them robbers and thieves. And so the good shepherd leads his sheep through this one door. And then if you notice that the shepherd actually now becomes the door. Anything that gets in there has got to go through who? It's got to go through the shepherd. And that's how good the shepherd is. Because I'm willing to give my life. Nothing is going to come and get my flock when you are in my fold. Man, that's good news. For some of you that feel insecure, that your relationship with God is based on your works, you need to get rid of all that thinking because your salvation does not come through your works. It comes through that door, Jesus Christ. And when you are in that fold, you are secure. You can find peace. And the only way those sheep are going to lie down is when they're in that fold. Let me show you another picture because here's actually a real picture of what it would look like right there. And so you have these rocks and, 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 and the, the, they would lead them through the one door and they would find rest. And there's a couple ways of this. Sometimes they're out in the field and they, they have to find these pens to bring their sheep into. But many times when they would lead them out of, um, out of the fields, because living in Israel, it's just, it's hard to find grass. They have to lead them to, to find pasture. At the end of the day, they would go and Jesus talks about there's a gatekeeper. And the only way the shepherd could come through is through the gatekeeper. And the only, only person that was allowed through the gate was the shepherd himself. And a good gatekeeper would allow the shepherd to go find rest. And the gatekeeper would then become the gate and protect the sheep so they could find rest. And they would be in this fold. So when Jesus speaks of being the door, this is, this is the look I want you to get. This is what he's trying to stress to the people that are listening one door, not multiple doors, one door where you can find salvation and rest and security. You've got to come through me. So this is the picture that those that are listening would get of Jesus as he speaks. The sheep would only find rest and security by going through that door and finding rest within that, that, that sheep fold or that pen. So the sheep would come into the fold under the care of the shepherd and they would literally come under the rod of the shepherd. We see that pictured for us in Psalm 23. And what he would do is, is that would come through that door. What the shepherd would do is he would inspect every single one of his sheep that was in his care. And he would look under their coat for wounds. He would apply the oil to them if they have any kind of infection. And he knew every single sheep by name. 
And he even had little, little names for his sheep because they had a close relationship, like Fluffy, right? Or Snowy, or Rover, or Rex, right? Or Fido. He'd have names. How many of you name your animals, right? How many of you, you've got a pet and you just call your pet cat? Come here, cat, right? If you are, you're weird, okay? You don't call your dog, hey, dog, right? You, you, you give him names. Our, our pet is called Mopsy. I wanted to call her killer, but a 15-pound white dog, fluffy white dog, just killer doesn't work because my neighbors would laugh at me, right? So we all have names, right? And the, the, the shepherd would have names for their, their sheep. Actually, I, I, I found some really funny names um, for dogs. I just looked up funny names for dogs. Here's some funny names for dogs. Are you ready? I like this name, Spark Pug. How about Santa Paws? How about, this is my favorite one, Chewbarka. How about Ozzy Pawsborn? Winnie the Poodle. <laughs> Please don't. If you use these, I'm going to hurt you. Okay, so. See, here's, here's what I love about chapter 10. See, what Jesus says in this verse, in verse 16 specifically, he says, other sheep are not of this fold and I must bring them in also. And they will be one flock. And he's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about you and I who are not Jewish. That He says, I'm going to bring them in too. I care about them. I care about everyone who comes to me. I'm not going to exclude anyone who comes through my door. And so that those listening would understand this picture that Jesus paints for them. Caring for sheep was common. They understood from scripture that God was a shepherd who took care of his flock. They understood the, the Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, shepherding was a difficult job. There are areas in, in Judea that were very rocky and not good for farming. And, and in, actually in the main part of Judea, there is a, a 35-mile plateau from, from Bethel to Hebron, and it's about 17 miles wide. And because grass was hard to find, the shepherd would have to lead his sheep to find green pastures. It was not an easy job. It was not just letting them out of the barn and go out and, and, and graze. They would actually have to find green pastures. And the only protection the sheep had was the shepherd. Their only salvation was the shepherd, period. And so the people listening to this would understand exactly what Jesus was saying here. The elements were not hospitable. You had heat, cold, extreme weather. Sheep would wander and be easy prey for attacks and thieves. The shepherd would have to be vigilant and he had to care for his flock. He could never take a break. And it was the shepherd who would lead his flock to the sheep pen at the end of the day so that they could find rest. And this was a place of protection and safety and literally salvation for them. See, it's interesting that Jesus is referring to the Jews and Gentiles being under Jesus' care for all who listen to his voice. And here's what I want you to see just before we take communion today. You see, the blind man came under the care of Jesus. The false shepherds threw him out. And I want you to see something here. Each sheep comes under the care of the shepherd. Each one would come into the gate through the door individually. And this gives me so much comfort that Jesus knows 
my name. He knows your name. He says, listen, when you come under me and you come under my care, I know you. I know what your needs are. I know what your name is. Do you ever think about if Jesus gave us all nicknames, what he would call us? I think sometimes he'd call me grumpy, maybe, you know. Right, but he knows our name and he cares for us and, and he knows the details of your life as a good shepherd would know the details of his sheep that would come under and he would take his rod and he would look and he would inspect them to make sure there's no parasites or things that, that, that he would have to care for their sheep. He knows what's going on in your life. Jesus knows my name. He cares for me. I'm not just some name or face in a crowd. Jesus knows me. He cares for me. And when you enter through the gate, through the door, you will find peace grace, and true happiness. See, Jesus literally became the door for the blind man. He literally became the door for the blind man. The man born blind found safety, protection, and salvation through the door of Jesus Christ. You see, the religious leaders may have thrown him out, but Jesus brought him in brought him into a place of safety, peace, comfort, and rest. Jesus becomes our door. No one gets in and no one can hurt us when we are under his fold. And Jesus says to us, come, let me give you rest, peace, and comfort. And Jesus says, come. I think some of the most comforting words that I can see in the New Testament is John 14. Where where just a couple chapters later, Jesus is discussing to his disciples that he's going to leave them. And they say, well, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus says, listen, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me, trust in God also. For in my Father's house are what? Many rooms, many dwelling places, places many, ran, many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So here's, here's what the shepherd does. Listen, listen. Some of you have to hear this today because some of you, you are stressed out. And here's the reason why. You are out in left field all by yourself. And you're allowing the things of this world to get the better of you. And Jesus is saying, listen, I, I want you to follow me. Notice that when he would lead them into the sheep pen, were the wolves and the predators still out there? Yeah, they were, right? But they were protected because they were under the care of the shepherd. And I want you to know that Jesus never loses track of you, that he wants you to come under his covering. And no matter what happens in the world around you, you will have a peace and a security because you will say, listen, it doesn't matter what the world can do. I know that I'm under the care of my good shepherd. And so Jesus says, not only do I prepare a place for you right here, right now, but ultimately I'm preparing a place for you in the future. I'm preparing a home for you where you will be with me forever. Doesn't that just give you a sense of peace and hope and tranquility, knowing that he's preparing ultimately a place for every single one of us who put their trust in him? And so what he wants to do for you and I today is he says, listen, I want you to come now and find yourself in me. 
And what begins to happen is we allow the things of the world and the stresses and everything else to pull us away from Christ. And Jesus says, you've got to come under my covering. Let me protect you. Let me be your provider. Don't allow the things of the world to stress you out. I'm going to provide. I'm going to be with you. But come under my care. Come under my protection and lay these things at my feet. Let me just tell you this. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's good. And he cares for us. And he loves you today. So here's what I want. Here's what I want us to do as we take communion today. Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And here's how I want us to remember Christ as we take communion today. Because we're remembering his body that was given for us. The cup symbolizes his blood that was given for us. I want you to realize that in these elements today are God's provision for you in your life. Everything that we see here when we take communion is God's provision for you that I've given my life for you, that I sacrificed everything for you to provide for you today. Not only provide ultimately spiritually for us, but to provide for our needs today. There's healing in Christ. There's provisions in Christ. And so as we take communion today and as you worship the Lord, I want you to look at these elements today and say, God, thank you for providing for me. And when you say that, thank God for the provision that he's made for you in the past, which is good. But also remember that God is going to provide for your future. That not only does Jesus provide a sheepfold for us today, but he ultimately provides a home for us in eternity. That's some pretty good news. So let's glorify God and let's thank him for his provisions today. And if you have a need today, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you feel far away from God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take communion today and I want you to trust Christ with your very life. If you're here today and there's a need in your life, I want you to take communion today and say, Jesus, you provided for me through that cross and I know that you're going to provide for me tomorrow. And I want you to put your faith in Christ and let him do a deep work in your heart and your life. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts before you now and as we we get ready to receive communion today, I pray that you would provide for every person in this place today. Thank you for, for providing for our greatest need, which was our sin that separated us from you. Thank you that you provide our needs for us in so many different ways that we can't even think about. So Lord, I pray for your provision today for every person that's in this place today as we trust you, we thank you for, for what you provided for us on the cross. And so as we take communion, I pray you would bind our hearts together with cords that could not easily be broken. Thank you, Jesus, for being a good shepherd. In your precious name, we ask all these things. Amen, amen. Let me just give you some instructions. The ushers are gonna...